we're doing organotypic human brain slices. So what this means is that normally when we get brain tissue, we can keep it alive for probably around about 24 hours. Um, there's a few tricks that you can use to kind of push it out a little bit further. But if you want to keep it alive for, say, seven days or 10 days, the kind of periods that you need really to get good transfection, then you have to use organotypic approaches. Fellow Hamasapiens, welcome back to Epilepsy Sparks Insights. Now, this is a bit crazy to me that I rarely hear about people speaking of brain tumours and epilepsy in the same sentence. Because seizures and epilepsy are a really common side effect of brain tumours. Now, hear more today from the brilliant Mark Cunningham of the Cunningham Lab at Trinity College Dublin in Ireland, who shares with us his exciting research into brain tumour-related epilepsy. And now on to our star of the week, Mark Cunningham. I'm the Alan Mason Bates Professor of Neurophysiology of Epilepsy, and I'm based in the discipline um, of physiology in the School of Medicine at Trinity College Dublin. And um, I did my PhD, gosh, a long time ago now, <laughs> um, in Bristol um, with uh, Roland Jones. I was looking at um, anti-seizure medications and how they altered synaptic transmission in the brain. And then I went off and spent some time looking at uh, neuronal oscillations, brain waves, and kind of got back into epilepsy through that, looking at high-frequency oscillations. And I've done some work with Roger Traub, who's a computational modeler, looking at the mechanisms behind those. And then I went to Newcastle, um, uh, and I spent 13 years in Newcastle, uh, and very um, exciting time in Newcastle. Um, I set up a platform to do recordings in human uh, resected uh, brain material from patients with refractory epilepsy. And I suppose that's kind of informed a big part of my research since then is trying to use um, human material um, from epilepsy patients, um, combining that with electrophysiological techniques, pharmacological techniques, um, to try and understand um, how networks in the brain generate certain types of epileptiform activity. And then if we can get a better understanding of that, can we come up with better ways of treating uh, the condition? Uh, and in particular, the sort of the, the seizure activity associated with the condition. And do you focus on specific types of epilepsy? So a big focus of the lab at the minute is brain tumour related epilepsy. Um, so, uh, you know, getting a tumor is a pretty brain tumor is a pretty significant, um, uh, diagnosis for, for a lot of people. Um, and a lot of patients, um, who, um, have a brain tumor will usually, they're one of their presenting symptoms may be a seizure. Mm -hmm. Um, so then they go and get a brain scan. Um, and of course they'll get the very, upsetting news that they have a, a, a tumor, um, but also a significant proportion, somewhere around about 30 to 40% will also have um, seizures and will develop epilepsy. And so there is a condition now called brain tumor related epilepsy. Um, and so we're very interested in that. Um, we're very interested in understanding the mechanisms that underlie that. Um, we're particularly interested in a neurotransmitter called glutamate. Um, which, you know, as you know, excites neurons. And um, what seems to be occurring in um, these brain tumors is the tumors like to produce glutamate. They love to produce glutamate. And the tumors are, I mean, 
they're pretty sort of it's a pretty insidious mechanism in that they actually use the glutamate to not only to promote their growth um, but also to allow them to kind of move out um, and occupy new space. So they produce lots of glutamate and the glutamate gets to such high levels that it, it will kill neurons. And the glutamate also feeds back onto um, the uh, tumor cells and makes them grow and move and occupy the space uh, where the neurons used to be, the brain cells used to be. Now, of course, too much glutamate is also going to excite neurons and it's going to cause them to generate seizure activity. Um, and every time you have seizure activity, you also get more glutamate. So it's a really sort of sort of insidious kind of feedback cycle. So the kind of tumor is, has hijacked the glutamate system um, to kind of promote its own growth, but also to promote seizure generation as well. What you're looking at is, uh, is it the activity of the brain whilst the tumor resides or is it afterwards or is it both? So it's probably, uh, it, it's a kind of, I mean, how we study it uh, at the minute is we, again, work with neurosurgeons uh, here in Dublin at Beaumont Hospital. Um, some of these patients will have their, their tumor uh, removed and, and, a, and there'll be a part of the surrounding brain tissue that's been infiltrated with the tumor cells. We, we will get that. So I often refer to this as a kind of badlands where you kind of have these kind of nasty infiltrating glioma cells rubbing up against kind of you know brain cells yeah. and it's that interaction and what we see in those samples is we see seizure activity um because there's probably too much glutamate and that's exciting these neurons so we're trying to work on um, um a way of potentially treating that at the minute um we're funded by science foundation ireland um and this work takes place as part of the Future Neuro Centre, which is an SFI-funded centre. And we're actually trying to um, use a novel gene therapy approach. Um, so we're trying to target uh, the brain cells uh, with a, a particular channel that's activated by glutamate. So um, because there's too much glutamate, when the glutamate acts on this channel that we've expressed in the, in the brain cells, it will actually turn off those brain cells. It will quieten them down. And so we're hoping that that might be uh, a novel way of treating uh, seizures uh, that are seen in brain tumor-related epilepsy. This sounds like as well as if you quieten down those cells, then you're effectively protecting as the undamaged so far cells as well. And how far along are you in in this specific part of your work, and where in the process of the whole study? So when I arrived in Dublin five years ago, um, the first thing to do was to get ethics set up because obviously yeah. you have to have ethics in place to do the, the human element of this work. Um, and I was in the process of doing that and then COVID came along. Oh, yay. Great timing. <laughs> um, um, yeah. So COVID kind of slowed things down a, um, a bit because, of course, a lot of ethic committees were were very focused on COVID-related projects. Um, but we're up and running now. We've been going for about a year, uh, so the human recordings are going. Um, a big part of this project is also an animal model. So we're using an animal model uh, in which we express tumor cells and then they grow a brain tumor. And for that part of the project, what we're doing is, so the human bit is, is ex vivo, in vitro uh, brain slices, 
the animal part is is in vivo. We're actually doing um, EEG recordings, and it'll be like video telemetry. So these mice will have wireless um, um, a wireless recording system electrodes. We'll record this the seizure activity as the tumor grows, and we'll be video monitoring them so we can you know capture the the seizures. And then the idea is that we would run a sort of clinical trial almost where we would compare animals that have had the gene therapy approach versus untreated animals. Um, and then the ultimate goal is to translate that into the human brain slices. Now, that's a little bit more tricky because with the gene therapy, you need a, an amount of time so that the cells actually start to express the channel that, that, that the gene is expressing in. But we're doing organotypic human brain slices. So what this means is that normally when we get brain tissue, we can keep it alive for probably around about 24 hours. Um, there's a few tricks that you can use to kind of push it out a little bit further. But if you want to keep it alive for, say, seven days or 10 days, the kind of periods that you need really to get good transfection, then you have to use organotypic approaches. So that's where you take the slices, you keep them in a very special brain juice, as I call it, um, and you stick them in a special incubator and they cook away for you and you can keep them alive for, you know, for sort of weeks. And that gives yourself enough time to get the, the, the viral vector in there and express the genes in your cells. Oh, goodness. And so what, will, what do you reckon, like, well, when does this project officially end? and like funding wise and stuff funding wise it's got another another couple of years another two two years um so i'm we're hoping that by the end of the project we have a very good body of you know um both uh animal preclinical animal work but also proof you know proof of concept in human tissue as well um and and i think you know then we need to think about sort of probably the next step in terms of, um, you know, thinking about maybe testing this in, in a more, you know, in a larger animal model. Um, but the human, I mean, one of the things that always really excites me about human tissue work is that you really are that much step closer already in terms of using patient-derived material. Yeah. And this is material that's come from the patients, you know, um, you've got these slices. These slices are generating seizure activity. We're able to record them. You know, we can record them with an individual electrode. We can use multi-electrode arrays. Um, and what, you know, we're doing in those tissues is we're not only doing the gene therapy work, but we're also looking at other novel compounds and trying to understand whether, you know, there's other approaches that can be used um, again, by targeting, you know, particular glutamate receptors. Um, and if you can prove that, if you can demonstrate efficacy, albeit in a reduced model, but albeit a human model, I think that that gives a lot of confidence that at least the mechanism of action stands up. Um, now, of course, when you develop drugs, there's lots of other Indeed. problems and, and issues, but I think, you know, it's, it's, being able to demonstrate mechanism of action and efficacy, which is very powerful in, you know, human pathological tissue. Often, if it works in a, you know, a mouse model, that's great. Or zebrafish, that's also great. But the fact that you are actually using human tissue and for, to see the impact, that is pretty amazing. 
like I don't get in the lab much, but I love kind of, you know, get, getting into the lab for that. It's, it's very, you know, I often say, you know, we're very, very lucky to be doing it. And obviously, you know, we have enormous gratitude to the patients that consent so that we can use, um, you know, the material in this way. Um, you know, it's such a unique resource. Um, and, you know, I always, I always say to the, you know, the guys that are working with the lab, you know, you really have to maximize what you get out of this because it's such a valuable resource and it gives us such unique insights and there's not many places around the world that are doing it. Um, so it's, you know, it's, I find it extremely gratifying as a scientist to be able to do that kind of work. And, you know, my experience, maybe it's just my experience, but with um, when it comes to the epilepsies amongst people uh, who've had a brain tumour and, and the epilepsy is a result of that, it's really not spoken of that much at all. It's a common trigger for, for epilepsy if you have a, a tumour of any kind, whether it's cancerous or not, right? Yeah, yeah. And, it's, it's, and, and that's a very, very good point. You know, again, we think a lot and we think a lot about um, the gliomas, which are the invasive tumours. But it's also the case for meningiomas, which are, you know, the the, the tumors that um, affect the meninges. Um, in that case, what what ha- what happens is you get physical pressure down on the brain mm-hmm. rather than an invasive process. Oh, yeah, you know, so it squishes it, it basically, and that it kind of squishes. Yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> the professional but, term. But it still will that will still cause seizures. Um, so so yeah, I think. I do think it's it's changing. There's there's a number of people who are you know are working in this area now. There's a, there's a lot of good groups in the UK and in Italy as well that are very interested in brain tumor related epilepsy. So it it's definitely there. I think that I think the difficulty lies in that it's kind of it's it's maybe sort of stuck between two stools because it's neurology and it's oncology and and so you know you have this you know you have this kind of area uh, it's neuro-oncology um but i think um you know there's a lot of interesting work now that's happening and there's some amazing work for example that's coming from there's a lab in stanford um um uh, monje the monje lab and some of the work that they're doing is really incredible in this area as well it's lovely that you um mention these other labs because i think more and more now labs are working together right sharing where possible so as not to back about too much and do the same thing more than times than is needed, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, you know, when you look at these, the work that other labs are doing as well, it's quite inspiring. You know, sometimes it's a bit like, oh, <laughs> damn, you know. <laughs> they did it first. Oh. <laughs> beaten first, you know, but it is great, you know. And I mean, just thinking I've I've got a, you know, there's a, there's a lab in Paris uh, led by Gilles Huberfeld, who does a lot of work in brain tumor related epilepsy and, you know, Gilles and I are kind of great collaborators now, even though I probably, you know, and so he's, he's visited Dublin and, you know, I'm on a PhD committee for one of his, one of his students. So, you know, these things should lead to sort of positive interactions and collaborations. You know, we can actually gain a lot from, from one another's work. A huge thanks to Mark for sharing with us his exciting research into epilepsies caused by brain tumours and what the future may hold. And see you next time. If you'd like to connect, you can find me on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook or Instagram. And I'd love to hear from you if you have any thoughts about today's show. Please subscribe to Epilepsy Sparks Insights on your podcast app so that you will never miss the weekly episode. I'm Tori Robinson. 
Thanks for listening. <laughs>